Tried any harder. Vault up. Brought to you from Los Angeles, California. California. You are listening to the High Voltage Talk Show, featuring Mike on the mic. There is a lot to talk about in Bolt City this week, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, how's it going? It is Mike, and I'm on the mic of the High Voltage Talk Show. This is episode three, the third week in a row doing this show, and I've gotten such great feedback from all of you listeners. Over 50 views on the first two episodes. Much appreciated. What a great launch. And now we're rolling full speed. Again, this week I'm going to do as I do every week. I'm going to go over uh, last week's game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then I'm going to talk about a Chargers-related topic, and today's topic is the youth of the Los Angeles Chargers. So I'm just going to talk about some of our young guys and what I've seen from them so far and how our future looks extremely bright. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing that, tired of hearing the Chargers' future looks so bright, you know, for the last 10 years, but it does look bright still. (laughs) We have a lot of youth on this team and a lot of development to do on these players. And then I'm going to close the game out by giving a preview of our game coming up against the Saints on Monday night. There's some drama around that game, possibly being played in a different arena and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we're going to talk about everything. Chargers fans, let's get into the high voltage talk show. But before that, you thought I wasn't going to give you this week's edition of Herbert Watch. So basically every week I'm going to break down the rookie's performance. I'm going to break down how he did in the game. I'm going to take a look at at, at a full breakdown of Justin's game and where were the positives and where were the negatives. And I'm sure there will be positives and negatives in each game. Sometimes more positives, sometimes more negatives. So let's look at this week's game against Tampa Bay and how our rookie quarterback did. And in this game, Justin Herbert went 20 of 25 for 290 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception passing. Very impressive game. That's some pretty impressive numbers. You wouldn't think that's a uh, rookie quarterback's stat line playing against a defense like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, 20-25, that's impressive right there to complete 20 out of 25 of your passes. This puts his stats at 77-101 overall this season. Uh, You know, a very good completion percentage at around 72% up there in the NFL with some of the best quarterbacks in the league. He had 931 yards, five touchdowns, three interceptions passing so far, and an additional 12 carries, 47 yards, and one touchdown rushing. So his touchdown to interception or or turnover ratio is about two to one, you know, six touchdowns to the three interceptions. He has fumbled twice, but I don't blame him for those fumbles. Those were both 
incomplete passes that were called fumbles by referees that don't know what an incomplete pass is. And this game against Tampa Bay was probably his most impressive game so far. I mean, those two big completions down the field on both touchdown passes to to uh, Johnson, or was it K.J. Hill? One of those two receivers, and, and to uh, Guyton, who is becoming a very solid threat in the receiving core for the Chargers. Those two completions were huge. Those two completions were perfect. Oh, my God. They gave me chills. They gave me. They got me excited. You know, one, one while he was sliding back, the one to Guyton on third and seven or third and eight, I believe, he's sliding back, right? And it was a very Mahomes-esque throw. He's sliding back to avoid the pressure and just slings it. Just slings it off his back foot. Does not need to take a step forward. Nothing. Just slings it 30 yards down the field with ease. Hitting his wide receiver in stride so Jalen Guyton can continue on and go and score a touchdown. Ended up being like a 65-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. Amazing. That's stuff that you only see the greats doing. That's things that you've only seen in the past from the greats in the NFL. And to see him doing it at such a young age in his third game in the NFL... Oh my goodness, this guy is phenomenal, and every week we see his skills develop, and we see his skills emerge, he shows more, they give him a little bit more room to show more every week, man, I'm starting to like Justin Herbert a lot, y'all, I'm starting to like him a lot, and to think that he's doing this with a complete rookie group around him, we have a couple rookies in the O-line, our running back, Josh Kelly, he's kind of the primary now, the Eckler's out, T's and P's to Eckler, damn, that hurts us a lot. But anyways, Josh Kelly's going to be in there. He's a rookie. He's going to be his right-hand man all the time. Uh, and then the receiving core is is full of rookies. Other than Keenan Allen with Mike Williams out, it's been all rookies. Guyton, K.J. Hill, Joe Reed, you know, these guys, uh, Johnson, these guys are out there stepping up. And it's, it's crazy to see what Herbert is doing with this group of guys. I guarantee if you ask another uh, NFL fan who our wide receiver two is after Mike Williams, they will have zero clue who it is. But that person, Jalen Guyton, now has two touchdowns this season and a big touchdown in this game. So they better start to to recognize what Herbert is doing with this wide receiver core, this depleted team overall on defense and offense. Let's talk about the one pick. You know, he threw the pick at the end of the game. It's whatever to me. You know, I'm not too mad about it. I'm not stoked about it. You know, I agree we did need a score there. We were desperate. That was a desperation throw. That was like a Hail Mary at the end of a game. But the problem was that I have with it is that, you know, it was second down with some time left on the clock. I mean, we have time to, to put a drive together. We don't need to just step up and throw a shot. I believe that was the second play of the drive. So on that specific play, we did not need 50 yards. You know, we could have marched down the field, and, and, and once we get inside 30 seconds, then start taking shots if we need to. So I don't understand the reason on second down to just – start chucking it down the field like that. I don't think that was the play call. Um, I like to blame the play call for a lot of stuff. The coaching has been a little questionable this year, but in that situation, I don't see an NFL coach. I don't see Anthony Lynn. I don't see offense coordinator. I don't see anyone on that sideline, you know, throwing a Hail Mary as the play call with about, you know, with a little bit over a minute left and, and on second down, and you need a touchdown to win the game. I believe we had timeouts, though. We, I believe we still had two timeouts. So I don't... I don't <laughs> I don't think that was the play call. I think that was Justin Herbert mistake. He he felt the pressure. He felt uh like he needed to play hero one more time and it just it, it wasn't the smart move. So he'll he'll learn. It's a learning experience and, and in the in the future, I'm sure coach is gonna get in his head and say before the play is about to happen, like, hey man, don't just chuck this down the field like you did last time. <laughs> All right, let's let's put a drive together and if we need to at the end at the end, then we'll start chucking it down the field. 
Uh, but at least let's give ourselves a chance at getting closer to the end zone and give our guys a chance to make a play possibly after the catch. If you throw these out routes, you throw these, uh, you know, maybe a post, a, a, a shallow post or, or anything like that to Keenan Allen, he's going to make a few guys miss, and who knows what's going to happen. He could break one and get us closer to the end zone on one big play during your drive that you don't expect. So uh, that's my only gripe. That's the one thing. You know, Mike Dub is our deep threat, and without him, that definitely hurt us at the end of that game. We definitely would have liked to have him there. He would have been the guy to throw the ball to in that situation. But regardless, a very good game for Justin Herbert. The one knock was the pick, just because he didn't need to be that desperate yet. That drive was going to end in a pick or a touchdown. I mean, so <laughs> that was the options there. And, and, and regardless, Justin Herbert played very well in this game. It sucks he didn't get to 300. He only got to 290. But, hey. That's a 300-yard gain to me. <laughs> That's a 300-yard gain to me. Just on the record books, he didn't get the third straight 300-yard game. And then I just saw like a notification right after that Joe uh, Joe Burrow actually did the, the three 300-yard games in a row by a rookie when I was expecting Herbert to get that uh, yesterday or, or not yesterday, this week, this last weekend. I don't know what I'm saying. But anyways, yeah, overall, we just asked Justin Herbert to play hero one too many times the defense needed to step up there we cannot ask our rookie qb and our rookie offense to come out and, and play hero every single game it's tough it's tough it's tough to watch regardless i got his jersey on the way y'all so i'm 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 excited for it i think that justin herbert is the start of something special in Los 12 seconds left in the third Stack the receivers. Herbert a deep drop. Off his back foot. Puts it out there. It's caught. And he's gone. Jalen Guyton to the house. Touchdown. Chargers. 72 yards. Okay, let's get to the game. Review of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost. 38-31 we lost. And again, we jumped out to a big lead as we did against KC. I was super pumped. I was jumping up and down when we got that pick six, man. Mike Davis undercut a route. It's the most beautiful play in football for a former DB like myself. Uh, yeah, I played DB overseas, uh, pro ball, played cornerback and safety in an undercut route like that. An undercut hitch or an undercut out route taken to the house is the most beautiful play in football, in my opinion. The offense was moving the ball for most of the game. That was another thing that was really impressive to see. The defense was holding up in, in the first half versus Tommy Boy and them. And when the Chargers are on the gas pedal, you know, they show that they can compete with the best teams in the NFL. Even with injuries and everything, we can still compete with the best teams in football when we are on the gas pedal, when we are attacking the other team. And that, that is officially known now. And people are going to be on notice for that now, especially the Saints this week after watching us play the Chiefs. And then the Buccaneers, the Saints got to be shitting bricks, if, if you will, uh, thinking they could get upset on prime time in front of everyone like they did against the Raiders a few weeks ago. A play that killed us right before halftime. You know, we made a bonehead mistake of fumbling a handoff. And all I got to say is, here we go again, right? <laughs> here we go again. The play calling, the decision making, you know, it comes into question. And it's happened every game that we've lost this season. We get pinned deep. We have under a minute left in the half. You know, and we're up 24-7 to to Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. If we go into the half up 24-7, to right? That changes everything for them. They have to spend the clock time to drive a whole nother time to score. And I don't think they would have had enough time to do it with the way Justin played in the second half. We still scored another touchdown after this. 
So we still scored on a touchdown after this. Now we got we're talking 31-7. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to score 28 points in the second half. They did go bombs away and you know and went off in the second half. But this fumble right before half is what ultimately lost us the game and, and the momentum completely shifted after this play. I do not know why you wouldn't look at the scoreboard and say, I'm up three scores. I'm going to halftime. Let's take this into half. Up three scores. Let's talk about how we're going to keep it going and we're going to put this game away. But no, we decided to to run a play, run a handoff. Yeah, I think it was a draw play to Josh Kelly, and they fumbled the snap. And I'm not blaming Kelly for the fumble, but remember, Kelly fumbled last week. Why in this situation are we even handing the ball off to him? If we're going to go for more points, throw that thing. Why are we hand it off? That's a waste. That's a wasted play. That that is just a chance to make a mistake by running that exact play. It's just free points. It was free points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was no reason to run it because if if you hand the ball off and he gets tackled for a two or three yard gain, which is probably what would have happened. What does that do? All you're doing is putting our players at risk of getting injured or risk of making a mistake like they did. Ball got recovered right there at the four-yard line. Free seven right before half for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we would ultimately lose by seven points. I just wanted to point that out, man. I don't know why we're not kneeling to end the half there. It doesn't make sense. Even if Kelly would have broke that off, he's 90 yards from the end zone and he is not the fastest running back in the NFL. He's not gonna. He's not scoring. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're over 50 yards out of field goal range. I don't understand. Take a knee, preserve the lead, go into half, and this game would have been completely different in the second half. We would have still had the momentum. Everything would have been fine. They had just scored, man. When Eckler went down, I just about cried. That was another moment that kind of changed the momentum a lot. You could see the energy get sucked out of the team when you see your star running back go down. In the second half, you know, you physically saw Anthony Lynn take his feet off the gas pedal. Anthony Lynn and the play calling of the offense coordinator. We need to cut this out, man. We need to cut this shit out now. You know, you're up big. You see, you just saw your offense go off in the first half, if you will. I mean, they did. We, we balled out. We got the pick six also. I mean, we were clicking on all cylinders going into halftime. And all of a sudden, after half, we begin to play conservative. We, we begin to try and kill clock. And drain the clock out instead of just playing football up until you know you're in the fourth quarter. Then start worrying about the clock. All that did is give the greatest quarterback ever, you know, something similar we saw with Patrick Mahomes, plenty of time to catch fire, plenty of room to catch fire, and he did get catch fire and got hot and came back on us. You know, we had no Melvin Ingram, we had no Chris Harris Jr., we had no Nick Vigil. Drew Tranquil is still out. Drew Tranquil is done for the season. Our defense is not to be leaned on right now. The fact that it was 24-7 at half, we should have taken that. And we should have been like, thank God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it went straight to halftime. Instead, it went to 24-14 at half because we decided to make a bonehead mistake and we screwed our defense over, who we already knew is thin at every position. It's going to struggle to keep up with this high-powered offense once the high-powered offense decides to come out and start tossing the rock around. Once again, we let a team back into the game because we tried to slow the game down with rookies that's not how that works we do not have a bunch of game managers we're not going to have when we when we run the ball on first and second down you're just setting us up for failure at that point i know you're trying to run the clock i know we're up by three scores 
But you're playing Tom Brady. You're playing Tom Brady and this Buccaneers team that has Mike Evans. Gronk was out there. He mossed uh, Kaiser White. I don't know why Kaiser White didn't just grab the ball. It was right in front of him to end the game pretty much. Uh, Scotty Miller went off. He had a great game. Ronald Jones was running the ball very well. Like They have a very good offense, and our defense is banged up. And our offense is full of rookies. Like all that combined, you can't just take your foot off the gas pedal and expect it to, to win this game. I don't care how much you're up on Tom Brady. Never, ever take your foot off the gas pedal. A couple years ago, Anthony Lynn witnessed Tom Brady put up five touchdowns before halftime in the playoffs. And you're out here saying, okay, we got this. Let's just start sitting on the clock. No, man, let Herbert rock out. You know, on third down. You notice that they have to let him go. They have to take the leash off him. And look at his stats on third down. They're ridiculous. He's one of the, he's the best third down quarterback in the NFL right now. He's dominating. So why don't you take the reins off him on every play, on every pass play that you call? You could tell that on third down, they, they let it loose. They say, okay, find, find your guy. And on other downs, they tell him, okay, this is probably where you're going to go. And if this isn't there, run it. If this isn't there, throw it away. You could tell that he, he's very scripted right now, despite his uh, breakout that we've seen and they need to stop reeling him in especially in the second half of games i understand the beginning of the game let's get the flow of the game we have a play script anyways but in the second half of the game when you're up by three touchdowns or two touchdowns since we decided to fumble right before halftime you cannot take your foot off the gas pedal that is a coaching mistake in my opinion that's a big coaching mistake the play calling completely changed the second half i do not know why <clears throat> We need to keep scoring. We need to keep our foot on the gas until we see zeros on the scoreboard. And that's something that the Chargers need to figure out. They need to figure out how to be a winning football team. That seems to be a problem. We have the talent to be a winning football team. Let's be a winning football team. That comes down to culture. That comes down to uh, attitude. That comes down to practice, uh, what you preach in practice. Anthony Lynn. That comes down to Anthony Lynn. That comes down to the coaching staff. So we got to figure this out. You think Gus Bradley will be a voice of reason in these situations just because he's been in these situations so many times with the, with the defense and with the offense needing to, to try and preserve the game. But despite all that negative, we have a lot to be excited about after this game still. you know, As I said, this season is a learning process for this young team. Losing Eckler for four to six weeks is going to force Josh Kelly to step up. Mike Williams hopefully is going to come back up, but rookie receivers and tight ends are stepping up and it's fun to watch and exciting to see that this is our future this is the future of the chargers these guys are balling and that leads me into my next topic the youth of the los angeles chargers i ain't happy i'm feeling glad i got sunshine in a bag i'm useless but not for long the future is coming on I ain't happy I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless But not for long The future is coming on It's coming on It's coming on The phrase that's been attached to the Chargers For as long as I can remember Is that the future is bright For the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers And you're probably tired of hearing this phrase As am I because at a certain point, the future has to be the present, and that's when I expect to win some championships. The Chargers have never won a Super Bowl before, and they've always seemed to have been the future is bright franchise. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. I think you got all these bad franchises like the Browns, 
who are better now, but usually bad. Like the Jaguars, Jets, just historically bad franchises, right? You never hear the things that people say about the Chargers who are in a similar situation to these teams. You know, mostly time you hear people say, yeah, those franchises are terrible. And you hear a lot about the Chargers almost every year. Yeah, the Chargers are bad, but man, they got a lot of young talent. They're going to be good in the future. They're going to be good soon. And it just seems to never come true. So here we go. This is it. These guys are going to take us to the promised land. These guys are going to turn this franchise around the youth of the Chargers. I'm just going to go over a few of our young guys that we've seen stand out in the last couple games and kind of just give a brief uh, review of their games and, and, and preview of the future maybe for these guys. The youth of the Los Angeles Chargers. Here we go. Starting off with Joshua Kelly, rookie running back out of UCLA. A lot of fun to watch him play. And, you know, I saw him play all those years at, at UCLA, and it was a lot of fun to watch him play there as well. Kelly has proved to be a viable option when in open space and when with we have when we have one yard to go situations. Lynn's confidence to give Kelly the ball three plays in a row with one yard to gain uh, in, in that game shows just how good this kid is and how much confidence Lynn has in him. The fumbling has been an issue so far. But, you know, the, the the muffed handoff, you know, I don't really blame Kelly too much for that. That's just practice. They just need to get together and they need to practice that a bunch of times as we make sure it never happens again. But the fumbling issue, you know, he did fumble uh, in the Panthers game where he just got stripped from behind. I look to see Kelly keep having these 60-yard, one TD games, two TD games, especially with the injury to Eckler. Justin Jackson's going to get more work. But definitely look to see Kelly score on these touchdowns and any kind of goal line opportunities. And once again, you know, the Chargers have found a gem in the third round. Our round three to five picks by Tom Telesco over the last seven seven years have been amazing. He's finding gems in the third round and fourth round. It's 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 amazing. He found Keenan Allen in the third round. He found Hunter Henry later on in the draft. I mean just great job by Tom Telesco. Great job by the recruits. Great job by the scouts, man. It's amazing to see us get these guys so late in drafts. Jalen Guyton, wide receiver. You know, after you know drafting two wide receivers late in the draft this year, you would have thought that one of those guys would be the wide receiver three for the Chargers. But no, an unknown, undrafted uh, free agent wide receiver, Jalen Guyton, emerged as our primary wide receiver three. And he is leading the team in receiving touchdowns to this point in the season. It's very impressive. And with Mike Williams injured, you know, injuries have forced these guys into the spotlight. Guyton has stepped into the wide receiver two spot and is building a rapport with Justin Herbert, uh, you know, like none of the other rookies have with Herbert so far. And, and Guyton reminds me a little bit of Keenan when Keenan first came in. You know, and I'm excited for the potential of Guyton and Keenan playing together for the next few seasons if Guyton can continue this upward trend in the Chargers offense. We need Mike Dub back, yes, I will agree. You know, he's kind of a bailout for our young QB, a, a bailout for anyone, because he can go up and get a ball anytime he's in one-on-one coverage with the DB. But until then, until Mike is back... Guyton's going to continue to break out. Guyton's going to keep balling. I expect Guyton to, to continue to score touchdowns for the Chargers. And you could tell Herbert is really looking his way in situations where they're doubling or tripling up Keenan Allen. Pick up Guyton for your fantasy team. Just stash him on your bench. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm <laughs> just saying. Just saying. We're going to start throwing the ball a lot more in the future as we see the run-first offense now is starting to not quite be our strength as, as, as it's been in the past. Donald Parham Jr., I know that he only caught one pass so far, but standing at 6'8", 237 pounds, and athletic at tight end, 
That's impressive in its own. He doesn't need to do anything else. In his first game, he had one catch for 19 yards and a touchdown, and that could be something we could see him do all season. When we get in these situations where we're at the 10-yard line and we need a big play, we could send him out and see if they try and do one-on-one coverage to anyone against him. 6'8", 237, he's probably coming down with that ball. And we saw him easily go up and grab that ball over the shorter DB this last game. We may have a serious red zone threat right here, guys. We, we might have a serious red zone threat in this rookie tight end. You know, let's see if he can get on the field more. Let's see if he can get more situations where we can use him effectively. And I'm going to close it out. I mean, we have a lot of young guys, so I'm going to do this again in the future. But I'm going to close it out with Kenneth Murray. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm giving Kenneth Murray a nickname that is going to stick. Because it's a nickname of a former Charger that we all know very well that I'm going to apply to Kenneth Murray. And he's wearing his number. Lights out, Kenny. Come on. You got to love that nickname. You got to love that nickname. Anyways, lights out, Kenny. Kenneth Murray has stepped up the rookie first-round pick that we traded up to get. I'm so happy we did because he looks like an absolute stud out there. He's playing like an absolute stud out there. And he has stepped in and immediately became our best linebacker. In my opinion right now, Kenneth Murray in his fourth game is the best linebacker on the Chargers roster, which is ridiculous to think about. He leads the team in tackles, and he looks like an absolute stud, like I said, doing it. He also is in the top 15 in the NFL in tackles. So not just leading our team, but he's in the top of the NFL. And, and that's just in four games. His first four games of his career, he's doing this kind of stuff. He's up there with the best in the NFL in tackling. And that's what we all saw in him. That's what we all were excited when we saw us trade up. We're like, we're getting Kenneth Murray. We're getting Kenneth Murray. Sure enough, they draft Kenneth Murray. And I was super excited because he has always been a scraper. And we need run stop. That was our big one of our biggest weaknesses last year was run stop. So seeing him out there, Rojo still had a, a decent game, but overall Kenneth Murray is doing a great job at getting some tackles and helping us out in that run defense. And on top of that, he's getting involved in the pass coverage. You know, he's got a few pass defenses this year, and you see him out there around the ball when there's plays made at the ball, and he he's always right there ready to make the play if he needs to. You know, and, and like I said, I'm calling him lights out Kenny. Because that's exactly what we needed at the linebacker position. Sean Merriman was always more of a pass rusher. It's looking like Kenneth Murray is going to be able to do more pass coverage and run defense type stuff than Sean Merriman did. But I could see the resemblance, especially wearing the same number and playing similar positions. Once we get Vigil back, I think Vigil should start. You know, or or Vigil and Perryman are going to split time. These two will be a great pairing at linebacker, especially in the run stop. Vigil will help us with that run defense a lot. I don't think Rojo. I think Rojo has half the amount of yards if we're full strength at linebacker with Drew Tranquil and Vigil. Because we can have a nice rotation. And these guys are all scrapers. These guys are run-stop linebackers. That's what they're there to do. They're not necessarily pass rushers like some of the linebackers you see in the league. They're more run-stop linebackers and pass coverage linebackers. Faster guys, smaller, faster uh, linebackers than you typically see in the NFL. I'd like to see some more blitz packages, although. I mean, I don't know if they're you know just not using him for blitzes yet. I feel like he's athletic enough to, to cause... Havoc for opposing quarterbacks, especially when we play mobile quarterbacks like we saw in Patrick Mahomes and like we saw in Teddy Bridgewater. It'd be good to see Kenneth Murray getting some blitz packages or some QB spy packages and, and getting after the quarterback. His athleticism will help him be a very <laughs> disturbing blitzer if they blitz. So I'd like to see some more blitz packages from him. That comes down to Gus Bradley. They just haven't really been blitzing that much this year. And the first couple of games it worked out because our pass rush was murdering the, the opponent's offensive lines against the Bengals and Chiefs. But in the last two games now, we've seen 
not a similar story. I mean, the Panthers handled us pretty well. We had one sack on, on Teddy Bridgewater. And then Tampa Bay, you know, we, we hit Tommy like three or four times that I remember. We didn't hit him at nearly as much as we hit Patrick Mahomes or nearly as much as we hit Joe Burrow in week one. We need to get back on the horse as far as our, our defensive line getting a pass rush, or we just need to start blitzing. We have the guys to do it. We have athletes. We have guys like Desmond King. We have guys like Kenneth Murray can blitz and do it effectively. Denzel Perryman, we all know he can blitz and do it effectively. Um, you can even send Casey Hayward off the off the corner spot. He can blitz and do it effectively and cause problems in the backfield. I like to keep Rayshon Jenkins back because he's primarily a, a pass coverage guy, but he can blitz if we need to. I mean, everyone is athletic. We have a super athletic team, so no holding back on defense when we're calling plays. We need to start getting after the quarterback, especially when we play guys like Tom Brady. He, that's kind of the, the, the key to beating him. I'm about to go over that right now when I go over my preview of next week's game versus the Saints. I'm going to talk about how we need to do the same thing to Drew Brees that we were doing to Patrick Mahomes a couple weeks ago. Anyways, that's the youth of the Chargers segment. That's the first time I've done it. I'm probably going to go over some more guys in a couple weeks. Let me know what you guys think of the of the segment. Here comes the cheap plug of the episode. Head over to Instagram, type in Chargers Universe. My page will be the page with a picture of whoever is on the cover of this podcast episode as the profile. Uh, I'm going to change that handle probably this week. So then it, it'll match the show. It'll be high voltage or high voltage talk show or something like that as the handle for Instagram. But for now, it's Chargers Universe. Go check it out, hit follow, and let me know what you think of my takes on these episodes. Let's move on to a preview of the New Orleans Saints game to close this thing out. The L.A. Chargers, 1-3 and three on the year, are on the road for a Monday night football tilt with the 2-2 two and two New Orleans Saints. The Saints getting another win without Michael Thomas on the field, which could make them that much better when he gets back on it. To close this week's episode out, Going to give a preview of our upcoming game, as I will do every week, versus the New Orleans Saints, which is, as of right now, supposed to be played in New Orleans. But there's word that because of Hurricane Delta that the game may be played in Indianapolis, which is interesting. Just an interesting little tidbit. I don't think it matters too much. There's no fans regardless. I guess that forces New Orleans to have to travel a little bit. Um, Not quite as much as the charge do to go from Los Angeles to Indianapolis, but they'll have to travel from New Orleans to Indianapolis, and it may be like a really late notice. We might find out that the game's being held in Indy on Saturday or Sunday, so that they're going to have a little bit of time to prepare. Overall, I don't think it affects the team too much, but that's what's going on right now. The Chargers might be playing in Indianapolis and not New Orleans, but still playing the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. So if you haven't seen Herbert yet, you know, or if you're not a Chargers fan and you're for some reason listening to this talk show because you love the sound of my voice, Monday Night Football, here it comes. You're going to see Justin Herbert. Primetime game. We'll see if the bright lights are scary for Justin Herbert. They can be scary for some some quarterbacks. Some people have struggled under the bright lights, but Herbert has proven that he is up to the task. He is up to, to challenging this Saints team on Monday Night Football in front of the whole world. It's going to be an exciting game to watch. It's going to be fun to watch seeing the Chargers on primetime for the first time this season. The Saints defensively are middle of the pack, and they're very banged up right now. You know, when they have their full defense, they're obviously one of the better defenses, especially better secondaries in the NFL. But right now, they're really banged up. Marshawn Lattimore is banged up. I know Malcolm Jenkins is banged up. So I can see Herbert playing well, like he did versus Tampa Bay, and having a similar outcome to the game versus Tampa Bay as far as uh, scoring a lot of points or, or making some big plays. Kelly 
100% needs to focus on ball security and practice this week. That's a big deal. You cannot be fumbling against these good teams like the Buccaneers, Chiefs, or Saints. He fumbled against the Panthers. You know, and, and we are going to need a good game from the combo of him and Justin Jackson to have a shot in this game as far as keeping the ball in our hands, keeping the time of possession in our favor. You know, we know Alvin Kamara is going to be tough to stop. But we look to Kenneth Murray to be the difference maker in slowing down Alvin Kamara. That's a big deal. He's a scraper. He's a tackler. He's a guy that is just as athletic as any linebacker in the NFL. And he can get out there and he can be a problem for the gold-grilled superstar, as I call him. <laughs> AK-41 is no joke. That man is a beast. He's one of the better running backs, better dual-threat running backs that we've seen in recent memory. So it's going to be a tough task. We struggled to stop in the run last week, and it was Ronald Jones. So... Good luck dealing with Alvin Kamara and an athlete, the, the level that Alvin Kamara is. Hopefully Murray can make some plays, but there's only so much you can do. He's going to get some yards. He's going to get some carries. He's going to get some catches. He's going to have some big plays. We just got to try and neutralize everyone else and try and minimize Alvin Kamara the best that we can in this game. And it, There is no completely stopping him at this point. This dude's a beast. And like last week, you know, I think we got to focus on stopping Alvin Kamara and focus on forcing them to throw the ball and get the pass rush going again. That is the best part of this team in years prior is our pass rush. And that was the best part of this team in the first two weeks of the season. Joey Bosa, you know, hopefully we can get Melvin Ingram back soon, but right now he's not there. Nwosu can get a pass rush, I know that. And I think the reason that we're struggling and we're not as strong at pass rush is because we lost Melvin Ingram. So we can't really rotate in fresh guys all the time. Nwosu and Bosa kind of got to take the brunt of the game at ends. Jason Tillery, he's going to cause havoc, hopefully, in the middle of the field. And we still have Linval Joseph. Linval Joseph is more of a run stuffer, but he can also get after the quarterback at times. We need this pass rush to get after Drew Brees. If we want a chance to beat them, that's the key to the game. We need to force them into throwing and have a good pass rush, force Drew Brees to make some mistakes or at least take some sacks and some big hits from our defensive linemen. In the second half of the Kansas City and the Tampa Bay games, our pass rush has been almost non-existent, in the, you know, and that's due to the, the team just getting tired. And now we have less depth, especially with King Mel being out as of late. So we need to rotate people in earlier in the game. We need to keep Bosa fresh. We need Bosa to be impactful in the fourth quarter. That's something that we have not seen this season. Every game, Bosa has been a monster in the first half. Come third and fourth quarter, when we need him to make plays to close these games out, He's missing. You know, he's just tired. It's that simple. You're playing him every single snap. He's a defensive lineman. You need to rotate guys in early so we have Bosa ready to go at the end of the game and Bosa is ready to take over the game in the fourth quarter like he can do. That's the key to this game, man. I'm going to talk about it a lot. Pass rush. Our pass rush has to get to Breeze when they step back to throw. Breeze's arm isn't what it used to be, so we do not have to worry about him completing these giant passes, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't play. It's looking like he probably will be playing in this game. But Michael Thomas is, is more of a short route, and he breaks the play open after the catch. So we just need to focus on getting to Breeze before our defensive, our secondary breaks down. And like I said, I think we can slow the run game with Murray. So if we can get the pass rush going, we can slow both the run game and the pass game. Hopefully there is no Mike Thomas for our sake in this game. I never root for injuries, but... Pfft. I don't want to have to deal with Mike Thomas and a beat-down secondary right now. We're already missing CHJ, and I know that uh, guys are banged up in our secondary right now. So I don't want to see Mike Thomas out there. And the Saints may sleep on us, and they might not think they need Mike Thomas back for this game. They may give him that one extra week to rest up 
that would be a huge mistake as the Chargers are probably the only 1-3 team that has lost three games but has been extremely impressive in those three games. I'm calling a 31-24 loss this week. Tough loss again. I think it's going to be close. I think we're going to play them tough just like we have every single game this season. The key is going to be the pass rush, in my opinion. I think Justin Herbert's going to do fine. I think that Joshua Kelly's going to focus on not fumbling. I think the offense is going to do great. I think the secondary is going to step up a little bit more than they did last week. Again, banged up, so it's real tough to just completely trust the defense right now. It's tough to completely trust the defense right now. And it's it's tough to, to trust that they're going to be able to stop the Saints team. Um, so we'll drop to to one and four this week if my prediction is correct. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't want to come on here and lie to you guys and tell you guys that we're going to upset the Chiefs and upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and upset the Saints in the first five weeks of the season. It's just not likely. We're not built for it yet. Our, we're real young still. We're still rebuilding around our new quarterback. we got to be patient. Like I said, this is a growth year. I know you're all tired of hearing this is a growth year, but this is a growth year. But on the bright side, good news. After this week, after this last tough game against the Saints, we have a stretch that goes from about week 6 to like week 12 or 13 or 14. I think the rest of the season, we're the only real tough team that we're going to see is the Kansas City Chiefs one more time this season. So I think that we can definitely go on a run. We can definitely go on a, a winning streak and possibly sneak into that last wild card spot or at least be in the running for that last wild card spot. But dropping the 1-4... and four, it sucks, man. It makes it real tough. It makes our, our hill to climb very large. So in a way, this is kind of a must-win for the Chargers. It's just the Chargers are not quite built to beat a team the caliber of the Saints unless we make the plays at the end of the games that we have not been making in the last couple of games. Well, that puts an end to this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's good to... Uh, get on the mic and talk some Chargers talk on a weekly basis so I really appreciate everyone that is supporting the show to this point we've gotten over 50 views in the last two episodes we're rocking you know the Chargers family is showing up share this with any Chargers fans you know share this link to any football fans that you think would like to listen to hear me talk about Justin Herbert for an hour straight every week but uh, yeah so <laughs> Uh, go check out the social media page on Instagram right now is all we're at right now. And it's at Chargers Universe. Definitely follow us on Instagram if you aren't already. You're probably coming from that page. Um, I just started up a TikTok. I make some uh, football-related TikToks. You can go find me at Mike on the Mike Sports on TikTok. I had a, a post actually blow up this last week and, and reach over half a million views. That was crazy. That was one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. Anyways, Chargers fans, thanks for tuning in again. I will see you guys next week. Let's go get this dub versus the Saints on Monday Night Football. <laughs>